0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 100 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And today on our show, it's going to be a good one. Not only did the Blue Jays just welcome in the AL East or the NL East leading Atlanta Braves and we swept them. They got a reason out to celebrate. We're having a reason to celebrate over here on Buds and Blue Jays because this is our first real milestone hitting 100 episodes. So we're going to talk about all that. Plus, we've got a little game for us to play and for the viewers at home. Home that we're going to get into later in the episode. Riley, how are we feeling, man? 100 episodes of doing this, Buds and Blue Jays.
1: And I still don't know a lick about baseball, <laughs> or most of the game anyways. Hey, Jesse, when we started this, man, it's it, it was a, stra- it's a stressful thing. You know, you want to sound good, you want to sound intelligent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't necessarily think we always sound too intelligent, me anyways. Um, baseball's a fun game. You can pick it apart a lot of different ways. And um, it's forced me to, you know, not only watch the games, because, Jesse, we both love to watch baseball, but it, it, it kind of shown me to kind of look, you know, read between the lines either. It's really kind of made me look into the, all these players, man, whether it's the 26 guys that are currently on this roster, guys in the minor leagues, guys that have been tra- uh, traded away and, and maybe signed with other teams since. Um, it's good. The MLB is a fantastic league. And obviously, you know, with the departure in 2004, 2005, with the, you know, Montreal Expos to Washington, uh, as Canadian kids, Jesse, Mm -hmm. you know, Toronto's our only team. It's our only in for, you know, Major League Baseball. We're diehard Blue Jays fans. You know, we haven't won a championship since 1993. And we're thirsty for one. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope it doesn't take us until we're sitting here with Gray in our beards, um, (laughs) you know, talking about what World Series winner. We'd like to bring you guys that fantastic news, obviously. But our goal here, you know, is to have fun and, you know, tell it how it is, whether that's our part of, you know, what we think, how the game went. I think there's, you know, probably people who disagree with our takes. And I think that there's a lot of people that agree. And, you know, we always get positive feedback and that's a that's a really good thing I know we got still got a small community here but it's a good community and we really uh you know appreciate everyone who watches these videos and yes, and, uh, and you know all, all the positive feedback we ever we always get because it's really really nice to hear you know the kind words and
0: everything like that yeah this show would not be possible if it wasn't for you viewers you listeners at home getting us to 100 episodes so give yourselves a little thumbs up and a pat on the back for doing what you do here's to 100 more Riley let's get to it. But with that being said, Riley, we have a lot to get to on this episode, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the game recaps here. And the Blue Jays, I remember coming into the series, Riley, on our last episode, you said, ooh, Atlanta's tough. They're a really good team. It's going to be hard. We might only win one game. Well, the Blue Jays said, nah, screw it. We're the best. We're going to win all three. And that's exactly what they did. In game one of the series, Chris Bassett came to the mound, set the tone, through a complete game shutout, the first that the Blue Jays have had um, without giving up any runs since 2015, and they were dynamite. The Jays got three runs across, but it was just enough as the Blue Jays win 3-0 in this game. Game two, this place was a come-from-behind win. Jose Barrios gave up two runs early, but then the Blue Jays battled back, scoring a single run in the fourth and the fifth before taking the lead late in the seventh inning um, with the big home run there. And Jordan Romano nailed down the save to get uh, that game done there. And in game three, the game that took place this afternoon, this was a wild game. Win expectancy chart is off the charts in this one. The Blue Jays end up with a final score. I believe it was... 9 to no, 6-5 to five was the final score. The Blue Jays scored two in the bottom of the ninth there to get the walk-off win thanks to a Danny Jansen single. This was a sloppy game, Riley, as we'll get into later, but five errors aside from both teams. Both teams looked like they wanted to throw away the victory, but hey, all that matters is the scoreboard at the end of the game, and the Blue Jays got the win but thanks to some good bullpen performances and some timely hitting from our hitters. So... After this series, Riley, the Blue Jays stand with a record of 24 and 16. We are six games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, still third in the division and still sitting in that second wild card spot. But, Riley, a lot of stuff to talk to, so many interesting points. Where are we going first from this Blue Jays series?
1: Well, it's got to be game one, man. You want to talk about a great. Great thing for a guy to do at this point in the year. And that's, you said it, man, setting the tone in game one was Chris Bassett Mm -hmm. with a fantastic complete game shutout, something that has not been done for far too long. As far as I'm concerned, we know that complete games, and let alone complete game shutouts are a huge rarity. Well, our guy did it. Chris Bassett, this is his second of his career, believe it or not, for that shoddy, Oakland A's team in 21 he had a complete game shutout back then so this is the second of his career actually and I mean believe it or not I mean he's a guy who's getting better with age do I think that he will replicate what he has done with the New York Mets last year I totally believe so his numbers on Mm the season are absolutely fantastic Mm -hmm. I do not have have them in front of me though I was staring at them for a good 15 minutes um, just yesterday and I believe that Is Chris Bassett going to put up numbers where he will, you know, get Cy Young votes? Maybe not first place Cy Young votes, but he's certainly a competitor, man. This guy's a fine wine. And, uh, like, what else can you say, man? When you go out there and give up two hits and two walks and and just shut the door on him, I believe eight strikeouts to his line as well. Like, those are some crooked crooked numbers, Jesse. I mean, you can't – it's been a while, like, since this has happened, and it's from, I'm not going to lie – Like, as much as I like Bassett and I know what he can do, I know what he did with a bad Oakland A's team and now he's on a very good Toronto Blue Jays team. We put three runs um, in front of Chris Bassett, which is not a ton of run support. If Chris Bassett, you know, decides to let things go in the ninth inning, we're in big trouble and the Braves are st- still very much in that ball game but he locked it down dude. He did. He did. Yep. Huge kudos to him not the guy you would expect and I believe Jesse that you know maybe maybe this will be his only complete game shutout of on the season and I would be totally fine with that but I mean his numbers this year, I think, are going to be very, very good. He is the perfect three guy for us. Hey, he got off to a real rocky start for us. And you know what? <laughs> yes, There's probably going to be another uh, blow up at some point. But, I mean, Jesse, you got to love what you saw on, on mm-hmm. Friday with this guy. And it absolutely, absolutely set the tone. And I'm expecting a lot more good things from Chris Bassett. He for sure gets the first thumbs up in this band. I mean, it's an absolute no brainer, huge accomplishment, man. And let's, you know, and his next start, I hope he keeps, you know, riding that, um, you know, for a couple, couple more weeks, a couple more starts because it was an absolutely great outing for him.
0: Yeah. We talked about it too. This is kind of what Chris Bassett did last year with the Mets. Like if you look at his overall line, he had two Two or three real bad starts, whereas like seven or eight earned runs. But the rest of them, he was quite solid. And Chris Bassett is following that blueprint almost to a T so far. I have some numbers on Chris Bassett and the significance of the shutout he got here. But he has a 1.97 ERA in his last seven starts. He's five and one in those seven starts. For what it's worth, he's thrown 20 straight scoreless innings. Riley and. He's got that dog in him, the hound, Chris Bassett. And to go along with the big shutout here, this is the Blue Jays first shutout with two hits or fewer and eight plus Ks. The most recent person with that exact line was Mark Burley in 2023. Brandon Morrow did it in 2021 and no one before Roy Halladay did it even this century. So some great stuff from Chris Bassett, a historical performance for what it's worth. And the fact that he did it on only what 105 pitches too. He kept his pitch count very limited. That is some great work for Chris Bassett. He's allowed 10 or runs period since that blow up in st louis so i think chris bassett has been a stable force for our starting rotation when we've really needed a good stable for uh force for our starting rotation so thank you chris bassett thumbs up from us
1: definitely doesn't get any better than that jesse hell of a performance for chris bassett man uh i mean hey you could go a lot of different ways jesse I mean, pitching aside, what about you? What hitter caught your eye in this series?
0: So I don't want to talk about the main superstars here, although they did do some damage in this series. Vladdy hit another home run, which was nice. Boba Shet continued to hit. But I want to talk again about Whit Merrifield and specifically what he's doing on the base pass this year. He stole another base in this series, and he was moving up to six in the order after hitting eighth in game one. And I just want to say, like, Whit Merrifield, without even really thinking about it, is on pace for a a historical Blue Jays stolen base season. like He's on pace, Riley, to steal 48 bags this year at a quite uh, impressive um, success rate as well. Riley, off the top of your head, do you know the last Toronto Blue Jay that stole 30 bags in a season?
1: Was it... um, Okay, so we haven't had speed guys in a long time. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, I'm just going to throw out a name... Uh, (sighs) For a a total season, I think we got him at the deadline. Uh, My head says Ben Revere, but I mean, I I don't think even with us, he got 30.
0: Yeah, it doesn't count. Um, The last Blue Jay to do it was Jose Reyes in 2014, stole 30 plus bags. The last Blue Jay to steal 48 plus bags, which is what Whit Merrifield is on pace to, Shannon Stewart in 1998. It has been that long since the Blue Jays have had a pure, good stolen base threat. And, you know, stolen base has kind of been out of the game. We've seen it a lot more of an increase this year, but I really think that is a weapon that John Schneider and a company can use, especially if he keeps hitting the ball well like he has. So I just, I'm impressed again by Whit Merrifield. As Buck Martinez would say, this guy's a baseball player. Get him in your lineup every day. So I just want to throw some love to Witt.
1: He is really turning it back a little bit. We were, we did not really know what to expect. We were, caught, I know it was kind of a weird feeling when we did get him at the deadline around the deadline last year. You know what kind of wit we we were gonna get, but this, I mean, hey, this is where he's really turning back the clock right now with that whippy uh, base stealing ability, man, and he he's his he's looked good in the outfield as well he's he's not afraid to you know grow his game in a lot of different ways certainly I mean he's not accumulating hits as well as he used to but that that is okay I mean Wet Merrifield is still a very good corner outfield and second base he is a guy who's going to be good for us and like hey we want he's a complimentary piece and he's a very very good complimentary piece I mean just at the start of the year, he wasn't really, you know, throwing on the burners, so mm-hmm. to speak. But I mean, as the last few series, man, he is he is attacking the base pass like crazy. And it's not because he has Ricky Henderson's speed. Wet Merrifield might be the smartest base stealer in all of Major League Baseball since 2016. And I mean, that is more opinionated than a fact. But you look at his numbers, they will back that up. With Merrifield, very smart on the base pass. And it's been a long time, and they're few and far between, with the base stealers that the Toronto Blue Jays have had since their inaugural season. We just Mm -hmm. simply do not have a ton of guys who have stole a ton of bases. Like I said, we got a guy like Ben Revere when we were making that playoff push. We had Ricky Henderson for about three weeks. um, And it's like we haven't actually had a you know, guy do this kind of stuff. Yes, Wit maybe not one of our homegrown brews, you know, came in from KC, but it's nice to have that piece on our team. It's certainly good just for versatility alone.
0: Yep, 90th percentile split speed for Witt Merrifield too, which has actually gone up over the last two years. So he's getting faster in his old age, which just seems wild to me, but good for you, Witt Merrifield. I also wanted to touch on our bullpen really quick because, you know, the Jays' last four series have gone. We get swept, we sweep, we get swept, we sweep. So it's been, you know, a hit and miss performance in the bullpen. But the bullpen, once again, was pretty good in this series. I'll just touch on some of the guys individually here. Jordan Romano was good. He bailed out Jimmy Garcia again. He got his 10th save of the season. Um, John Schneider has actually pumped up Eric Swanson. You and I have talked quite a bit about Eric Swanson on this podcast. We thought he's been really good. If you look at his season numbers now, 20 innings pitched, he's got a 1.33 ERA, a whip of 0.7, a strikeout per nine over. 11 we cannot overstate how good Eric Swanson has been for this team and then I want to talk a little bit about game three today when Yusei Kikuchi wasn't at his best he kind of struggled but the Blue Jays got five shutout innings and one hit baseball from Anthony Bass Jay Jackson Trevor Richards and Nate Pearson. So going into the big series, four-game series against the Yankees, that means Tim Meza, Jimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, and Jordan Romano should all be locked in and ready to go, setting us on the right foot. So the back end of our bullpen did good things as well as the front end of our bullpen doing good things in this series. So do you have a quick note on that, Riley, before we move on to the thumbs down?
1: Hey, I um I was it was we'll get more into game three, but I was quite worried just on, like you said, win probability all over the places. And yeah. It's hard to always trust your bullpen, and when you do trust the bullpen, it feels good. I think this series sets me up um, against the Yankees. It sets me up that when our starter gets taken out of the game, I'll have a little more faith in it. I like to go off past performance, especially with um, um, you know relief pitching. Starting pitching, I'd be more apt to go based based off reputation and things like that. But for relief pitching, I mean, latest performance is the thing that speaks –
0: It's because performance for a relief pitchers are so volatile. You know, one big blow up or a lot of the time it's a feel thing with your relievers, right? How good they're going, how good they're not going, what have they done for you lately? How good does their stuff look is pretty much how it goes with your relief pitcher. And I'd say right now, the Blue Jays look pretty good. Moving on to thumbs down now, Riley, because there were some negatives, even though the Blue Jays did get a sweep here. And I want to talk a little bit about the performance of two of our hitters who have been struggling, especially in the month of May. And that is Matt Chapman. And that is Alejandro Kirk. If you look at Matt Chapman for the month of May, he only has two extra base hits, and they were both when I was in Pittsburgh. In fact, he's hitting just 190, 227 or 277, 238 slugging percentage, a WRC plus of just 49 in the month of May. That was coming off in April, where he was literally player of the month, and we knew regression was coming. We knew that he wouldn't hit that good, but it's all kind of seemed to hit him pretty hard here, so it'd be nice to see Matt Chapman get out of this little hole that he's been in. And Alejandro Kirk, as well, has also not really hit that well in the month of May. I know he's had a lot of soft contact ground balls to like the shortstop or the third baseman. In fact, he's just three for 25 this month. His line 120 batting average 241 on base 160 for a 401 OPS Tough streak for Alejandro Kirk. We've seen this in here. I guess Riley, give me a level of concern for these two players. Alejandro Kirk and Alec or uh, Matt Chapman going forward.
1: Well, right off the bat, I mean, for me, let's start with my guy, Matt Chapman. When you start off the season as red hot as him, never like player of the month. That is what he was called. April's player of the month, Jesse. When you have those credentials, you've started off the season very, very good. And those numbers that are now with Matt Chapman in this halfway through May, I mean, I'm, it's a 5-6 it's a concern for me because now we're getting back into the territories where we saw him struggle mightily at times with strikeouts, low batting average. And the really suppressed power numbers because I think that was a big thing early on in the season for Matt Chapman where the extra base hits and they were in abundance. Now we're seeing you know the run production just plummet. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very hard, especially with the guy who's currently hitting in the middle of this batting order. And rightfully so. Listen, he earned his spot there, but he'll he it's nothing is promised in Major League Baseball as far as where you sit in the order. And I mean, hey, Matt Chapman can do a lot of things right on the baseball diamond. And we know what he can do at the plate. That is for sure. But just we also know. You know that, that he's prone to the strikeouts and, and and just not getting on base, and he's hitting in the meat of this Blue Jays order that are an elite run producing team. We do have to get a little bit more out of Matt Chapman. This is certainly something you would call a slump. Now, mm-hmm. as far as Alejandro Kirk goes, um, I, I'm honestly listen. I'm I'm a big believer that Alejandro Kirk has always been our future catcher. Okay. That was far Can you hear me now? Yep, now uh-huh. I cut that part out and then I'll just pick right up, pick right up from Kirk. I got Deal. it yep. right going right now. Go ahead. I'm just going to. Okay. Jesse, as far as Alejandro Kirk goes, my concern levels are a bit less. This is a guy who is, a- was an all-star. This is a guy who put up amazing, tremendous bat to ball skills and still does. Um, the problem is, I mean, he's got great hand, eye, great bat to ball skills but they're not resulting in hard contact. There's not a lot of run. If you want a competitive at-bat against a major league hitter, look no further than Alejandro Kirk. This guy will give you a headache at the plate. He's got a smaller strike zone because of his stature. He's got a fairly good eye, and he can foul pitches off till Christmas. Um, Alejandro Kirk is, is a better defensive catcher than most. I think he's been fairly average this year and at times have been very good. He's you know, a negative base runner, but you'll expect that out of a catcher. And I don't really care about the base running from a catcher. Mm-hmm. When you put it all together, every facet of the game of what a catcher should be, you're really looking for a guy like Alejandro Kirk. Um, it just, it kind of stinks though, because we've seen him strike balls really hard into the field, all fields at that. We've seen him go opposite. We've seen him pull balls down the line. So, You would really like to see his run production go up. I think that's where a lot of his value goes because of how often he makes contact with the baseball, Jesse. So I would say my contact for Kirk at this point is is if I say Chapman's a six, I'll say that I'm a four for him. So if you can combine it, I'm about half Fully concerned to none concerned at all. If we're going 10 and 10 scale, increase that to 26 plus four. I do the math. It equals 10. So I'm about halfway if you combine both of them, Jesse. These are two guys that are great at what they do. If you you can't look through Major League Baseball rosters and talk about the best players at each position right now and not talk about Matt Chapman at third and not talk about Alejandro Kirk behind the plate, these two are fantastic ball players. And you know what? Slumps are slumps. Let's just make them slumps, not make this right. season-long droughts.
0: Your math checks out, Riley. It is impeccable. I will say, Kirk, there are still some good things under the hood. He's still walking more than he's striking out. He's still not swinging and missing much when he does swing. It's just you nailed it. There's not been much hard contact at all. Bottom five percent in the league in exit velocity and like pretty, um, pretty terrible unexpected, uh, whoa bacon. So that's your. Uh, expected Woba on contact has been quite bad. But again, last year, Riley, Alejandro Kirk got off to a really poor start too before he finally turned it on and was one of the Blue Jays' best hitters for months. So let's see more of that going forward. Riley, you wanted to talk about some of the effort the Blue Jays were putting together in Game 3 today. So go on, give us some details about that.
1: I I really listen, like uh, uh, like they say, you know, talent's the floor and character is the ceiling. And I, I believe that to an extent. Uh, I mean, you could be the, you know, the biggest... Jerk in the world and and hit sixty home runs and no one really cares, but that's not happening in this case. I mean, we're playing, we're playing in the toughest division in all of baseball. There's a game there. I mean, the the Rays won again today, by the way, against the Yankees to extend yes, their uh, division lead to something ridiculous. I mean, we we're in a well, you can't even say we're in a dog fight. We're in an absolute zoo of a division and. We have to be trekked, man. And you said it first. Before I talk about the bat, I want to talk about a guy like Kiermaier who has hustled balls, has turned two two singles into two doubles in the past like short little while. Um, and it just shows you the heart of some, you know, some players. And I'm not, listen, I want to address two. And that's a play that um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made and Bo Bichette, when they were at the plate in game three, um, the first occurrence was Bo Bichette hits a fly ball pretty shallow and he just dogged it out of the he just dogged it out of the box um, I mean pretty much I don't know can't remember who exactly it was two f- fielders collide and that ball drops mm-hmm. that ball dropped Jesse and I mean then he starts to hustle after because he realized oh shoot and that's fine. The uh, like, whatever that will happen. That's a, that's a lapse. And you get, you can, John Schneider can have his way with Boba That's a one little bad thing, but he double screwed up in my opinion, when he tried to stretch that air into two bases and he got thrown out at second. So not only did you dog out a, a fly ball, you also looked ridiculous trying to redeem yourself and then, and then get thrown out. I mean, that's how do you, how do you win ball games, Jesse? You get runners to cross home plate. And at that point in the ballgame, when we're scrounging for base runners, I know Boba trying to be aggressive, but the point is Jesse, if he's running that ball out anyways, even if it isn't what his pace was, he, I'm not saying, so you don't have to sprint, but what he did, you know, you kind of frustrated, throw the bat down, whatever you want to do. That those sort of things happen, and it bit him in the butt. I'm sure he got a talking to, and he should have. The second one, man, let's br- hey, let's bring it back. Bottom of the ninth inning of this ball game. Started off the inning, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Right off the bat, what do you think? I mean, that's a good way to start. We're down by one run in the bottom of the uh, bottom of the last inning. But he hits one to right center field. Hey, I thought the ball went out too.
0: Yeah, it, it I thought it the ball like went
1: the out bat. too, but it didn't. It looked like it, Jesse, because he mm-hmm. sold it to us. Because we're watching in TV land, and we can't see the exact, you know, where the ball's going. I mean, I mean, you can hit when Bo Bichette hit that ball four hundred and sixty feet. Admire that, pimp that home run, so to say. But when you hit a little wall scraper, you think you got to run that out, man. Mm -hmm. That's a critical Mm -hmm. part in this game where we clearly need base runners with. We're talking about the meat of our batting order coming up after Vladdy too. Well, Vladdy is the meat, but we got some bacon behind him that can drive in some runs. And it's like you got to like you have to not do that, man. If he hits if he hits that ball over four hundred and twenty feet. Yeah, admire that, man. But when you're not sure, because he I don't know if he really wasn't sure. We've seen it happen, man. It happens all the time. It's a showman game. I get it. I do like that part of the game. When a guy hits a no-doubter, keyword no-doubter, and watches it go. But, Jesse, when we're talking about line drives that aren't getting over the right center field wall, and you're standing on first base in a critical situation with the game on the line, that kind of thing can't happen. I like to see hustle. I like to see Hart, man. It's frustrating to watch. I thought the baseball gods were going to punish us for for Mm -hmm. Vladdy doing that. We were lucky to walk out of there with the win. Am I happy we got the win? Absolutely. But I mean, I hope that the gods weren't watching because that is a play where we could have easily been punished and we look back at that and say, man, if he ran that ball, this could have happened. And then you start to run to scenarios. But I just had a little gripe with that Listen, I would be lying if I said like everyone had to be like Charlie Hustle, that Pete Rose, and try and run everything out like that. Like, hey, I get it, but just the lackadaisicalness on those two specific plays. That I mean, one resulted in in an uh, in inning ending, and the other one, I mean, was the first play of the inning that you know could have had bigger implications had we not rallied against Rassial and Glacius and really, you know, well won that ball game based of based off the fact that we are the Toronto Blue Jays and we have a lot of great hitters on that team. Just a thought, Jesse, I would just like to see, you know, a little more character claws and hustle.
0: I think the thing that bothers us the most too, is that those are things you can control. Those are effort plays, right? And you want to see the guys put the best effort forward every time they're on the, ba- on the baseball field. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer has got, I think two doubles so far this year, where it's just been little plays like that, where he has been hustling out of the box and it's been working for him. So we kind of hope, Hey, maybe Kevin Kiermeyer pulls these young kids aside. Cause this is what he's on the team to do, right? Be a leader. Tell these kids, get them to play the right way because we've seen it. We've talked about it already this year. The AL East is a battle right now and all these wins, especially against a good Atlanta team are going to matter so much more. So you don't want to lose a game because Vladdy should be at second base, but because he didn't hustle, he's still at first base, right? You want to do the right things. You want to do all the little things to make things happen and go well. So let's see if John Schneider talks to them or let's watch for that going forward to see if Bo or Vladdy do anything more of that or if they can get better going forward here, Riley. Riley, I don't have much else to add. Uh, you say Kikuchi and Jose Brios were kind of mixed here today. You know, you say Kikuchi did give up a lot of hard contact, but he was still striking a lot of guys out. And I'll admit, I didn't watch Jose Barrios start. I've looked at the data afterwards. It just seemed like, hey, some more Jose Barrios stuff. Do you have a quick thought on any of those two before we move on to your little game you wanted to play here?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, hey, it's uh, those are starts that we were sure were going to happen. They I mean, let's be honest, Jesse. I said this before the show. Kikuchi, I felt okay about, but when Barrios went out there and was giving up runs and, and a lot of base runners in the first first inning, with within the first you know six out to the ball game. That's where I have my big problem is when it seems like when Brios starts off cold, there is no redeeming that start. Like the start is lost. As soon as runners, multiple runners start to cross home plate in an inning for me, that's how I feel about Barrios. Um, He did hold it down a little bit better than what I thought. But at the end of the day, he's got to, he's got to just come out of the gate a little bit better, man. I mean, The Braves are a fantastic team. In my opinion, they are the best team in the National League East. I mean, it's close. That's another very good division in the MLB. But, I mean, Barrios has got to just be tighter, man. He's got to lock it down. He's got to be able to, you know – face the order twice with a little less error in his game. And that's at least go five innings of like of two run ball and not give up three runs in two innings and make, and make our stomachs turret and make us real worried about how the rest of this ball game is going to go.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. So let's move on Riley to your little game. You wanted to play here. You got something fun for us for our 100th episode of buds and blue Jays. So take it away. What do we got to know?
1: Jesse, I got a lot of stuff. Man, I like, let's put it this way. Jesse, with all the offense, man, because that's really what won us the series, a perfect segue into this is offense, man. Mm. Our offense has been absolutely fantastic this year. And in my head, I was thinking today to myself, Jesse, I thought, I thought, there's no way our team doesn't walk away with a couple of silver sluggers this year. Okay. I mean, the way Bo Bichette has hit as a shortstop, Matt Chapman has hit as a third baseman and Vladdy on first base. There are a lot of good first basemen in baseball, but Vladdy could turn it on in a moment's notice. So, Jesse, my little questions, my little game, whatever. I know recent history, a little more fresh in your mind, but I want to go back to a simpler time. I like to call it the turn of the century, okay, yep. coming in 2000, Jesse, when, when steroids were abundant, baseball was fun. Pitchers threw seven or eight complete games in a year, and guys were hitting 58 bombs, things like that. I want to know, Jesse, because you know this era just as well as I do, man. I want you to name me every silver slugger, that we've had, and I will give you help if you need it. But I want you to guess who our silver sluggers have been on the Strong Blue Jays team, starting in 2000 and moving up. You might get better as, as the years go on. But Jesse, I feel like this is a game you can do. You're kind of crafted to do it in a sense. And um, let's let's see how you do. Let's starting with the year 2000, Jesse. This is a in lot. 2000, Riley. we had. We had one Silver Slugger in 2000, Jesse, and yeah. I'm gonna tell you right off the bat, it's this one will start pretty easy for you, Jesse. It's, it's yeah, got to be yes.
0: Carlos Delgado in 2000. It is. Right? It yeah.
1: totally is Carlos Delgado yeah. in 2000. It totally is Carlos Delgado in 2000. And in 2003, I'll give you this: Carlos Delgado won another Slug a Silver Slugger mm-hmm. in 2003 and was joined. By another Blue Jay in 2003 as a Silver Slugger. Who was this Toronto Blue Jay?
0: Was that Vernon Wells or was that still too early for Vernon Wells?
1: It was certainly a very young Vernon Wells in 2003 capturing a Silver Slugger. Let's go. If you can believe it. And then after that, I don't know if that was his only one. He went on to win a ton, dude. Mm -hmm. And then we come into a time, Jesse. we We call this time 2009. And we get some really obscure ones. Our Delgados are gone. Our Vernon Wells are wearing out. And we get – this is before our big wave of our fan favorite kind of guys, Jesse. We got two Silver Sluggers in the year of 2009, Jesse. I'm not going to – I just want to see if you can guess them without any hints. What do you think?
0: Uh Troy Gloss is the first name that comes to mind for me. Did he win a silver slugger? I know he had a bunch of home runs for the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know if that was the year though. I might have been too He
1: was early. he out of Toronto by yeah, 2009. Okay. The the player you were uh, looking for is not a third baseman on either end.
0: John Buck was an all-star I think that year maybe. Did he win a silver slugger? I know he John had Buck home was runs.
1: John Buck was an all star, I believe, in 2009 or 2010. I think what you're looking for, you're looking for a righty and a left handed bat here. One of these players was an all star oh. as well.
0: Uh, Adam Lind and uh, Aaron Hill won Silver Sluggers that year.
1: How did you just come up with that just yes. like that? There what a go. great thought there. That is a, one of the weirdest ones you could possibly <laughs> get. Then it's the year 2010, Jesse. That now, was. We had. Yeah, who was so, it?
0: That was Jose Bautista's 54 home run season. So that one we know.
1: Yes, and he absolutely went on to dominate after that, winning three in the next four years, I believe. And then after that, we get a little bit more gentle, Jesse. I'll give you some gentler times here. It's 2015. We had one silver slugger. Any idea who that could have that been? Would have,
0: that was Donaldson's MVP year, so that would have been him.
1: Certainly Donaldson's MVP year he would go on in 2016 to capture a silver slugger as well in the following year and we had a lonely silver slugger award winner in 2020 the COVID shortened season and i think you know exactly who this is
0: that was teoscar hernandez who won back-to-back ones in 2020 and 2021 we've mentioned that one on the podcast before
1: absolutely it was and can you tell me jesse which two teammates joined Teo in receiving those silver sluggers in twenty twenty one?
0: Uh Alejandro Kirk had one last year and oh God, why am I drawing a blank on this last one? Um Bobachette didn't get one. Oh Marcus Semien had a silver slugger that year.
1: So yes, you actually went up to get Alejandro Kirk in yes, 2022. He was twenty twenty two. in twenty twenty one yep. there was there was seven, yes, and uh so you're one guy and the only guy that you're missing. You're not really missing him. If I go and say who won a gold glove or sorry silver slugger. Oh,
0: that's what? Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is a no brainer. It should honestly go without saying Jesse in all honesty. Now the other one I wanted to do a quick little one and that's Jesse. Can you name me? Can you name me three count them three players that have hit a home run in the all-star game
0: as a Toronto in the all-star game. Hey, wow. Um, I know Vladdy did it in Coors field. He had a massive one. So that's one. Uh, Did Carlos Delgado ever get a home run in the all-star game?
1: Carlos Delgado did never hit a home run in the all-star game.
0: It's going to be an obscure one. Like Scott Roland, maybe might've done it. Um, did Alex Rios hit a home run, maybe? No, no I'm, he did I'm not. i up blanks here. No, it, but
1: uh, to your credit, Troy Gloss had a double in the All-Star game. And let sure. me change that. There has been I, – I read this wrong. There's only one other Blue Jay that has hit a home run in an All-Star game, Jesse. And I'll put it like this. This is going back to our glorious days in the early 90s.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so, Roberto Alomar is my first thought. And if it wasn't him,
1: and that is the correct yeah, answer there right go. there. Robbie Alomar in the '93 All-Star Game hit a solo home run. I thought I read that wrong, and I was super excited. I thought I thought I read it that Alex Rios hit a home run in the All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. I was mistaken, and I would have been super happy about that because I loved a good right fielder, Jesse. I mean, I could go on. Tons of things uh, to you know talk about um, as far as that. But I got another cool one. I want to go on some weird years, Jesse. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Weird What's years. We talked about the show. We talked about how we talked about Jesse. How you, we you you do you do F War and I do reference War, which is totally fine, which is totally fine. But I found I dug up some really obscure ones, Jesse, for you here, and it's just naming. It's just years. But uh, the highest war accumulated as a Blue Jay in that season. And I found a couple of years that it scratch your head. And the first one I would start at would be 2013. But I know you're just too smart for me to fool you on that one. Because 2013, I think we've talked about this multiple times, who had a monster year.
0: 2013 off the top of my head, eh? That's... um, I actually don't know if I know this one. That was Bautista who had a bunch of uh, monster seasons, but... To lead the team in WAR? Man, I yeah,
1: like, a really one of my favorite guys. It was a really weird season. Post best postseason
0: player Kobe, in MLB did history. Did Colby Rasmus F- lead the team in WAR that year?
1: In 2013, with five, with five WAR, if you can wow. believe it, man. Five WAR. I Kobe don't know Rasmus. what your F WAR has amassed, but I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's pretty close. I think he had a great year. No, I had a great one, and it was 2004 of all years. Could You you could look back at the team, and there was a lot of good young Jays players, and he was one of them, Jesse, who led our team in war in 2004. And if you know this, if you're a listener or a viewer, then good for you because if I was to guess, I would have named 15 ballplayers before (laughs) this guy. I don't want to bury any leads, Jesse, but do you have any idea who it might be?
0: 2004 i'm gonna take a shot in the dark i'm gonna go eric hinsky i'm gonna say that was his rookie year where he won rookie of the year am i close
1: you're you're quite close i'll Mm. give you this eric hinsky i believe won it in 2002 and this is 2004 i think hinsky would have played okay but we're looking at another infielder jesse another infielder
0: 2004 that was uh was it orlando hudson
1: it certainly was Orlando Hudson, the switch-hitting eh? second baseman. Oh, dog. Who would have thought that? I personally would have. If I look back at that era, I mean, I would have expected, oh, here was the problem, Jesse. I remember this. I think if you look at it, we don't have time to look at it, but I think at 04, Halliday was injured because he absolutely had the best stats of that era. Correct. If yeah. it wasn't for a, maybe a Verdon Wells popping up here and there as well. But uh, just on another one, before – before you know the really good times Jesse. Could you name me, you know, the war leader for nineteen eighty nine? This is That's a this is a stretch. Nice. This is this isn't a weird one, Jesse. This is this is a, this is just a who came there before we really took off. This is brand new skydome era. This is everything around that.
0: I'm gonna guess Fred McGriff
1: you are. T- I Hey, you're great, man. That's a hell of a guess. And you absolutely nailed it. He went, he had a 6.6 wins above replacement. And before that, a 6.2. There's a ton of, of same names here. Just to point some out that, I mean, we had Roger Clemens for a bit. He accumulated a 12.1 <laughs> war <Yeah>. in 1997. <laughs> I mean, we've had some pretty legendary players come through this team. And then, I mean, we've had some obscure ones that are not good randall Gritchuk, highest wins above replacement with 2.5 in 2018 Gross. yikes jesse <laughs> yikes. <laughs> that is that is yikes my guy and then of course then we get guys you can pick anyone from whamco to play from 91 to 93 that were just ridiculous and that obviously being our best team managed by the best manager of all time but uh hey that's pretty much, I could go on, and I've got a bunch of stuff on my phone, but Jesse, I'm sure we're almost out of time anyways. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. wanted to get something fun for the viewers to hopefully play in, Jesse. A hundred episodes, man. Like, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think we'd make a past 15. I thought I would just get bored and give up. <laughs> Who are we kidding? But we're here, here, and like we started off, you know, I mean, not I wouldn't say ever camera shy, but we certainly have figured out some sort of recipe for at least six or seven people to watch us. And it's a lot of fun, man. If we had like if it was just for my own reference, I hate the sound of my own voice. But I'd listen to you talk about baseball forever. Mm-hmm. And you can tell for for those listeners and those viewers, yeah, this I would never rehearse a quiz with Jesse because I love to stump this guy. Jesse knows his freaking baseball. When I thought I got him with 1989, but he knows that Fred McGriff, you know, and now rightfully in Cooperstown and his era of Toronto Blue Jays. So, yeah. The future, the present, the past, the Blue Jays, it's all so much fun, man. Baseball's fun. I also just want to throw out that I've completed my umpiring course. I'm officially <laughs> yes. an umpire. Thumbs up to just you, the Riley. season is getting yes. underway. Like, there's just so, man, 100 episodes, and there's just so much fun baseball stuff going on right now. I don't know what's next, Jesse. I don't care what's next.
0: Here's to this 100 fun. more. I love buzzing. doing
1: it. Uh, I just, we just love doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Here's to a hundred more of buds and blue Jays. Thanks for sticking with us a little longer on this episode. We want to do something a little different, a little fun. If you like what you're seeing here, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, right? You can say we're with us. We're only going to go up from here, Riley. So let's, uh, let's keep this thing going. Turns out we know a little thing about this game of baseball that we all love or so, but that'll do it for episode here today, guys. Like I said, like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that fun stuff. You can download, share, follow us on all the social media platforms. We're everywhere. You can find your stuff. Um, We're passionate blue Jays fans Big series coming up against New York as we continue the homestand. Maybe I'll even get down to Roger Center for one of these games of this series. If so, we'll see you there. Until next time, guys, thank you for watching. We'll see you later this week.
1: Thanks so much, guys, and happy Mother's Day.
0: Of course, yes.